bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Adrian Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello. Mr. Justin Robert, deep in the heart of Texas, young. Mm. Not yet, but hello. Oh, no, no. Texas is in his heart. He's not in Texas's heart yet. 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 I will eventually clog its aorta. Yeah. Like, like he's, <laughs> he's the McDonald's French fries of Texas. <laughs> exactly. Good old Justin Robert Fra- Young. And, and, and Bryce Castillo. I, I'm <laughs> Bryce HDL Castillo. <laughs> <laughs> is that that the good one or the bad one yeah that's the good one i don't know but now i want to do a joke about like uh in el paso they call it ldl ldl yeah 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 so uh we had some news earlier last year about scientists looking at venus and seeing phosphine and being like hey the only way we know this thing could be produced would be you know biological life I think we're all like, or something else. I think everybody was. Yeah. New it, research it, paper it reminded comes out. me a little bit. Did you get the same kind of like tingles of when there was that, um, oh, was it uh, neutrinos uh, detecting something that seemed to indicate that, that like time travel was possible? Uh, where it's like everybody knew that we, or we all strongly suspected what we would find out. But it was a fun thrill in the moment. Yeah, I think, I mean, here, I would say there, in that situation, I don't think there was anybody making the argument that it really that's what was going on. But they're like, huh, this is what it looks like. But we know it's not here. But here were people who are saying, like, oh, no, we think it's phosphine. And now some other research is like, no, it's sulfur dioxide. You measured it wrong. So. Uh, kind that, of was, a, that was fun, uh, though. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't read the study, so I don't know the details here, but it, it seems like nah, wah, wah, not again, foiled again. Yeah. I mean, this stuff is so hard, right? Like by, by its very nature, it has to be a little bit more speculative than you'd want it. Like, because, you know, we can't just run over and have a billion people all test the same thing. Right. Well, and this was also yeah. a, a weird, rare case where, Correct me if I'm misremembering, but I think that they got the results and they kind of tried to keep it quiet. Like they they didn't they didn't say. Unlike, for example, the NASA. Like every 20 minutes, NASA is holding a press conference to say we think we found evidence that silicon-based life is real. We don't know. We're NASA. Bye. Uh, uh, like like I thought this particular discovery they tried to keep uh, uh, a little bit quiet. I thought it was a, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to follow back the course of that. And I would say NASA was r- rare about that. You know, that they, they didn't do that that often. But periodically they would have something that they got excited about. And it felt like they didn't put it to a wider group of people before they did that. Yeah. You know, like the arsenic-based life. That was the one that just looked like. Oh, why? that's what I'm thinking of. The the, the arsenic. Yeah. The, the one that was based like on uh, what uh, a, a pool in Wyoming or something. Yeah, it just was one of those things like, 
there could and it's part of the problem too is like we i think we're in a i think we're in a for certain areas of research i think we're in a healthier attitude or healthier place where you can be a bit more hey uh maybe aliens and people at nasa are like yeah maybe maybe but you need to you know like you gotta have your receipts and i think that when you say something like arsenic based life form like one that we never detected before and all of that to go that far and then to have like it so quickly so quickly for that thing to get like taken apart was like man they did not go to a large enough group of people with that which probably, well it's it's know. tough because um uh the, the 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 now in the 21st century post-internet era uh the literal or figurative uh, viral era of information spread like there is no middle ground there is no quiet oh. clubhouse where you can whisper it's like the moment the moment somebody whispers somebody else copy pastes and it's on the front page no you, the I mean, peer review still pretty strong i mean you just you just you choose more antagonistic people in your peer review process i think that was the problem i think that like you choose you know you're going to choose six people to ask to referee your paper choose six people that are going to be more critical I think yeah that was the I, I i i suppose what i'm more dialed in on uh, or fixated on is the uh, the culture of of you know clickbait headlines you know where it's like even if you do that it's like uh seven scientists deadlocked over issue of whether or not this arsenic based life form even exists but, but I, I, I think there, there's there, there's a larger conversation that we can have about how we cover stuff like this because i think that like in general the base level of scientific knowledge is piss poor and the way that we categorize and and uh you know reflect some of those conversations are are bad but in general what what you're i think talking about brian is the possibility that any kind of whisper can be blown up 400x from where it initially starts but i think that there are some communities that that do reasonably talk about some of this stuff well and also if you if your referees leak it then rather that happen than you get referees who aren't critical and then you go out and say hey look everybody we found this and that was what happened it was it like people were like you don't we don't think you use critical referees if they had been leaked and then you know the referee's like no this isn't real then it's not no egg on the face of the researchers were saying oh we think we found arsenic because it's like no we did our job we didn't come up and say we had it we have a paper that was asking this but we didn't publish it we didn't do a press conference on it because we're trying to find out you know look at the allen institute with the alien signal you know the theory is it in, i would call it alien signal but like that thing we talked about before detecting yeah. proximentary they've handled that right and nobody's really pointing fingers at them going oh, oh you know look what? at you actually that is the one that i remember uh, I, 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 having the feeling, oh God, I, I, and I'm I'm dialed in on on how I felt about it, not about the the facts, but but I remember thinking, wow, they really uh, tried to hold this back so that they wouldn't pull an arsenic based life moment. Uh, but thing. they were, but the th remember the arsenic thing was, hey, let's have a press conference. We're going to call everybody in and say we've made this amazing discovery, and just within days, other people in the field are like, no, this is the problem with it. And people were like, why didn't you ask, who are your referees on this? Who are your consultants on this? Because this got so quickly taken apart where Allen Institute hasn't made any statement, not saying anything about like, oh, we found this. We found this. They're like, they're internal. Like we found a thing. We need to do our process. And the process leaked, but they're not getting criticized because it's not like they ran into a press conference. So they're I, like, no. I, 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 think, I think you've really uh, got me dialed in on a really important problem because if there's a dial that you can set and on the one side is everyone announces every wild 
idea they've ever had. And as a result, nobody believes anything in a headline when it comes to the science section of the newspaper, I'm using air quotes, uh, you know, of, of the internet. And then on the other hand, you have keep everything secret until it's already been double blind, seven year, you know, uh, studied. Uh, where do you think we are on that rheostat between the two? And where should we be? Like, are, are we doing pretty good in general as, as humans or, or should we be pivoting? It varies organization by organization. You know, some are good at it, some are not. There's a lot of research organizations, they are driven by their research, I mean, by their publicity department because it's, a, it's related to funding. Some organizations are exceptional at it. They have really good internal processes. They bring in good referees. Others are like, oh, we're so excited about this. We want to get this out there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, we found something weird. We don't know what this is. We're curious to find out versus, hey, we we found this thing and we're pretty sure that it's blank. And it's like, well, that's a big that's a big leap. Who did you talk to? Well, we 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 handled it. It's like, did you? That's it was that, pretty That's so tough because like even the people who discovered it, very likely, like if they were to speak directly, they would say, We found anomalous readings. It very likely is error. We're gonna have to do some research to, you know, replicate the results or whatever. However, that does not get you paid. What gets you paid is if true, these results would indicate that a lot of money should come to these well, guys. but I mean, there's difference between this. There's the point at which a paper's published. There's the pre-publication phase, et cetera. And I would say that do you have pre-publication and prior to that, pre-publication at semi-public and prior to that, there's a lot of opportunity to bring in people in. And if you rush it to, if you rush a paper out or rush it to pre-publication and publicity on it, problems can arise the more crazy the nature of the thing is. And uh, and but the reputational cost and like the fact that you're making fun of NASA right now, how dare you, Brian? Brings up. <laughs> oh that, that my we, word! Yes, we, we yeah, went yeah through Bryce. This with, why did you do that? Yeah, screw we those guys. <laughs> terra firma, baby, terra firma. <laughs> yeah. Flat Earth. Uh, <laughs> we went through this with like the Martian meteor and all these other things. Right. Where after the fact, we're like eh, a little bit, you know, too. And, and I think that within a department of then. You know the arsenic thing there. Like, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I think it would have been fine if it had been an earlier sort of stage. Where it leaked out like, oh, I found this cool thing. It's just signs of this because then you very quickly you'll get like we did within twenty four hours blog posts of people explaining, no, this is what you found. Right. Well, and, and I guess I guess what I'm what I'm trying to evaluate is even when you know you're in a bubble, uh, that doesn't change the fact that the bubble is going to expand. And it doesn't change the fact that there's going to be a right moment to sell. Uh, and yes, I'm thinking about this in a GameStop uh, circumstance. Um, and informationally, I assume the same thing is true because like you have something curious. Uh, it's indetermined whether or not this is uh, replicable. Um, at some point, there is a perfect right moment to release the information and get all of the credit, uh, considering that in the scientific community, credit is a currency uh, in and of itself. Um, it's 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 a tricky game, and 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 I don't want to be again. Uh, please, nobody take away that I was or, or take away from this that I was pooping on NASA. I'm just saying that in that case, they moved too fast, and as mm -hmm. a result, um, 
us, the outside influences, all, all the all the people who are trying to get the clicks and get all the interest and get all the attention are, are going to want to push for certain types of headlines. And sometimes it's not prudent to, to hand those to people. Yeah. And I, it's, and I would, I would, I think Justin brought up, and I think we've alluded to is a big problem with this is the science journalist. We've talked before about the Gelman effect, you know, and, you know, Brian, you always say it very eloquently. And that is, you know, Michael Crichton reading the newspaper and uh, with his understanding of things like computers and medicine realizes everything else is accurate, except for this Marie Gelman with his understanding of, uh, you know, uh, you know, archaeology and physics is his, his actual expertise, you know, and he says, well, they got these things wrong, but everything else is probably right. And then the two of them talking realize, oh, wow. Right. We both have, have a blind right. spot. And that is that is something I like to bring up as often as possible, because um, uh, given that the focus of Michael Crichton's interest before his passing was largely, you know, climate based and History will probably not be terribly kind to uh, his analysis at the time. There are things that he was saying at that time that, oh, my God, I think are so important. Like he pointed out the fact that um, sure is curious that uh, people who are doing research and who know who's paying for their research tend to come out with conclusions that exactly match what you would expect the people paying for the research, he advocated for double-blinded funding for science, which yep. is not anything I've ever heard a single scientist, single researcher, nobody. It took it took the the guy who did Jurassic Park to say it, and I've never heard it again. And I understand, like, why would you? But 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 God, I would love blinded funding for things where people were doing the research not knowing who was writing their checks. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because a lot of funding comes in the form of facilities and everything else. You know, I, I was at a facility and, you know, some person was mocking the idea of a conspiracy theory about getting paid to do the research he does. And I'm looking around at this multimillion dollar facility and this guy's, I'm like, <laughs> do, do you know what it would look like? <laughs> you know, and, and like, I thought I think he's in some conspiracy theory, but I'm like, you know, the fact that you have a job studying this, the fact that you're in a facility dedicated to this, the fact that you just showed us this million dollar piece of equipment that's pretty useless and you're like, oh, I want to know who's who's paying me. I'm like, <laughs> are you a volunteer here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I wonder. One of the things that really is kind of on the cusp of, 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 of happening that we're seeing now is the buying power of the collected populace, right? And, and we've long looked at universities and some private institutions as the forefront for scientific research, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a, a private company was formed where you saw some of this kind of stuff where, 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 where you saw, I mean, it would take, it would be a tremendous effort to get it going. But when you look at the amount of money that can come in when the idea is right and, and how fast it comes in, on the internet, I don't know if there's many sectors of our society that are going to be untouched by that, that have largely been dominated by kind of like fixed income from certain usual suspects. I can see, you know, that, uh, you know, when it comes to like, you know, science funding probably shouldn't be like Kickstarter where we only fund what we think is, and that's what you're saying, is that we're only fund what we like. And that's one of the problems we have, like orphan diseases and stuff where too few people get it. There's not enough research to do it that could be solvable. Right. But I could see, I mean, I could see the idea to your point that like, 
kickstarting an organization. Well, you know, hey, yeah. we want, you know, uh, we want to start a foundation for the next five years to do a thing. I, I suppose what I'm wishing for is some kind of version of a VPN for funding when it comes to scientific research where, you know, just just uh, it's difficult to know who's writing the checks and your um, your incentives are aligned so that you do the research and report the your findings without having any idea whether or not it'll benefit or be a detriment to you. Um, uh, and and the, the, pro the, pro the problem is, is that you are stripping out some of the reason why people write those checks. Correct. Correct. Like, like, so, so you, that would be a require some kind of behavior modification or honor, right. On the donor side where it's like, all right, so you're not going to get your name on a building. You're not going to, to, to be noted as a, patron of science at this facility well but you might maybe we can subset that by having a gigantic publicity arm that uh, well thank you a newly minted billionaire brian brushwood for your very generous 50 million dollar uh, contribution to the blind science institute well it, it's, like i suppose what i'm imagining is some version of like a blue check kind of thing where it's like um like if exxon uh says good news global warming not very bad then uh well it's an exxon funded study that gives a result that will benefit exxon so you know we don't believe it we don't have any institution to sort of blue check that where it's like and you know it's not just us saying that because like they didn't even know it was our money that was funding it um I, I, it, it, hard, it does feel hard, like there's some kind of middle ground that that could happen. I would say the hard part of the hard, and I, I mean, I like the core idea. I think the hard part, a couple places comes into fact is that one is we put as the the public puts way more faith into certain institutions than we do. They don't understand. They'll be like, oh, well, it was from this university, so I know it's not biased. And you're like, you oh, you mean this place with a fifty billion dollar endowment that is basically a corporation in disguise? they're not biased, you know, like, and it's like, oh, well, cause they don't, people, up, they don't think of universities in these places as companies, which they are. Um, and they just have this idea of, you know, uh, I would say with worth ethics than your average company charging students, you know, $500 well, and, and, for and I, a textbook written by the professor. All of a sudden I'm thinking that's also a two way street because in a world where nobody knows how they're funded, um, that also opens up the opportunity where it's just like uh, uh, Americans, super racist study says. And it's like, well, who paid for that study? No way to know. Can't know. Just Americans are the super most racist people. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. I would say that I would think that there was a there was some, a, a really great paper that caused some waves and then people quickly forgot about it because it was very inconvenient. And that was in psychology where. They went. A group went and tried to redo a number of psychological experiments. Oh and yeah, found yeah. Out the, uh, uh, the, the, the the reproducibility uh, uh, disaster, where it's like fewer yeah. than one third of pretty much everything anybody has ever <laughs> released a paper on seemed to be re reproducible, which is uh, problematic. Yeah, and, and there can be factors like sometimes you hear about we try to reproduce blank. I've seen this sometimes too. Like this doesn't work. And you're like, man, you didn't use the same conditions as the other one. You hit that. You yeah. hit all that bullet. Some of the big bullet points, and that's a frustrating thing to see though too. But that reproducibility thing was powerful, and I would love to see. Imagine an institute that says, yeah, we're going to take 
random studies. We're going to pull random research studies out of a hat and we're going to put together teams and we're going to try to replicate them. That's, know, a, just that's a really good comparison because the same thing that I'm that I'm advocating for is very unsexy and doesn't seem like it will add anything to anything. Uh, just like the idea of of replicating previously established science is very unsexy and doesn't seem like it would add anything. By the way, that also sounds like the fastest way to make you the least popular uh, person in the whole science in community, your, in your, right? In your field, right? Yeah. All you'd be doing, <laughs> no, nobody would 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 count their hits, right? They would only get butt hurt over their you, misses. You would be you would be James Randi at a psychic convention. Like, who, who <laughs> wants to hang out with this guy? Yeah, and I think that's sort of the value is that. You know, when you know that person's out there and you're writing your research paper and you're 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 fudging your numbers and there's issues like there was a thing that came up. I've seen a couple of times of like, you know, people, they look at it, images in research papers and noticing how often these images are the same images used over and over. And it's like and you find out that probably the real story was the research was real, but they lost their images, but they knew they wouldn't get published without the images. And it's like, well, yeah. it's a little lie. And I think that's the problem is, is we we accept so many little lies because we say, hey, it's necessary. Now we're liars. So so maybe and, yeah, maybe and there's that, a, and that's and that's such a zero sum field, right? Where you got to get yeah. published so you get funding. So you you and, and there's the collective network of let's keep this thing afloat. We don't want a scandal. We don't want to fall short because then the, the, the tide will lower for all of us. Maybe a middle ground might be the equivalent in the hacking world of of the bug bounty, where it's like there's a fund that is made where it's like somebody go out there, catch somebody with a conflict of interest uh, and expose it or whatever. I mean, unfortunately, uh, and, and I could I could see from your reaction, Andrew, that that that. Uh, you see the same risk I see, which is the uh, possibility of a, you know, a purity spiral of, of nobody's uh, ever pure in anything. Well, yeah. And, and who you, you pay for the bug bounty yourself because you want to make sure your software's free of bugs. Yeah. Right. You're incentivized towards it. If a university was like, Hey, help us catch our researchers cheating. It's like, nobody's going to work there. Yeah. The, yeah. It doesn't make things better for university when, when somebody finds out that they're but being I think, paid. I think that I think if we put money into like, you know, testing replication, things like this, because I think if, you know, uh, to avoid mono, you know, mono thought, something, you know. Man, science. One unpredictable. I'll, I'll, mm. Well, I'll give you, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll make a statement here. Like, um, who can be really awful are scientists. I love science, been around scientists my whole life. And when it comes to, when it comes to criticism, when it comes to outsiders criticizing or whatever, the response is horrific. Uh, right now, the, the who is supposed to having this team investigate the origins of COVID in China. And there is one of the avenues that should be explored is the idea of a lab leak. But you saw many people in the scientific community just jump and just criticize that idea. Oh, you're, you're trying to say it's a man-made bioweapon. There's no evidence of that. It's like, no, the words were lab leak, which has happened historically in here in the US and China. It's a thing that can happen. That should be an avenue of pursuit. Which, and there was such a knee-jerk to, reaction to pursuing. To clarify, a uh, lab leak, if I am understanding it correctly, does not mean it was made in a lab and then leaked to the world. What it means is samples were mishandled and what was supposed to be a, a pristine uh, enclosure uh, was 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 perm uh, uh, permeated. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Permeated. Th th basically, yeah. yeah. Which 
happens all the time. We've had this happen at the most, some of the most advanced labs in the US, lab leaks happen. And even the pursuing that as an idea. So here, here we are, it's February. It is February, it is a year later and the first team is officially being allowed into China to go investigate the origins of this. And even then, they've been spending days at the museum. They have their visas revoked and went through all these hurdles. They're going to be able to do limited interviews. A effing year, a year to allow I, a team to go. I, 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 I poked around a few weeks ago, and by all accounts, according to, you know, Google, uh, China for reals said, no more COVID around here. COVID who? What? And then they and then they said, "Whoops! I guess one. Yep, just one. Just one recently." Um, what is what is our official position on trusting the narrative as I just spoke it to you? Because <laughs> I'm looking at a graph right now that goes from very high to zero. <laughs> if we we live in a democracy with a press that's supposed to be antagonistic. And we had a New York state. We just found out that double the number of people died in nursing homes. than we thought because a governor was able to suppress reports. What kind of powers but, do they have in China? Slightly more. So, so uh, and um, if, if you've watched the wire, it sounded to me like the governor uh, was basically juking the stats, uh, miscategorizing deaths. Like, like, like the deaths are on yes. record. But yes. they're like, well, he hit his head. Well, yes, but also he had COVID and was in. A, 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 no, no, this this was this was specifically about nursing homes. So uh, one of Governor Cuomo's legitimate criticisms, even early on when he was getting a lot of press, was a decision to allow COVID patients back into nursing homes, mandating them to go back to nursing homes uh, where they were in long term care. Uh, as it stands now, if indeed post-vaccine, we are, even if we see more flare-ups, they will not be as deadly as the one that we just saw. Uh, that might have been the most deadly decision uh, made by any kind of government official in this American crisis, as the, the, the number that die, that have died in New York State nursing homes is, as of last week, or was as of last week, more than people that have died in the state of Arizona, full stop. Like just in nursing homes, if this if this stat is correct, more people died in New York State nursing homes than died totally over the last year in 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 the entire state of Arizona. So it's like what when you talk about who, you know, where the information comes in and how it is disseminated, uh uh I you know, uh, what the United States government is going to say about China's numbers is going to be complicated by the fact that there is a larger relationship that needs to be maintained. What I will say as a private citizen is uh, there are two countries that are, are to me of a substantial size enough that I think that we should be drawing some kind of lessons from that I totally don't trust their numbers. And they are Russia and China, China. First and foremost, like the the idea, the concept uh, of 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 their numbers to me are uh, just out and out. 
fiction. So yep. just one point in California, we're not even able to get the whole health data and the statements are like, well, people won't know how to interpret it, whatever. And it's like, all right. So yeah, that was, health, that was, that was, that was, that was about the lockdowns where they yeah. totally rebuilt, uh, why the metrics to lock places down in California and then said, all right, well, we're going to determine it on ICU, uh, availability. That's the new metric. It's not going to be spread. It's not going to be deaths. It's not going to be anything, but ICU availability. And we're going to break you up into uh, a, a hunger game style, five different areas that are hospital networks that are vaguely geographical, despite the fact that Southern California is literally just going to be one half of the state and there'll be four other uh, uh, things. But we're going to not guide it on the real time ICU uh, availability. It'll be on a model we make that projects four weeks out. And it was the Associated Press. This was not a muckraking, like this was not a conservative thing. This wasn't red state. It's the Associated Press that broke the story that uh, not only would the government not be sharing it, but they would not be sharing it because they, by their own words, were afraid that the public would misinterpret the data. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that is uh, what I like to call the fast track to get your ass recalled. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's right. I forgot that's all happening on the political side. Uh, yeah. plus, plus also there's the tactical, uh, I, I, I don't know how it took me this long to learn it, but within the last few weeks, I learned that like ICUs by definition are designed because they are intensive care. Like um, the, the, they're meant to, by definition, be almost always full all of the time. So uh, uh, any edge case, like uh, at any given time, there's 100% of people who are in the hospital and whoever the worst 10% are go to the most intensive care unit of the hospital. So as a result, they're literally built to be full all the time. And so uh, that seems kind of like a garbage metric that does no good, but sounds good uh, when you're giving a speech. Uh, but, you know, I, I would agree. Okay. So that's what we're going through here with a free press, with free social media. Well, we did. Uh, that's another story. Uh, we used to be able to talk about these things freely without it getting suppressed, but uh, uh, that's what we're going through here. Yeah, China. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I believe anything they say because, like, you know... <laughs> You know, okay, what do you do okay. when you're so, a governor uh, there can and just, you can put hey, reporters uh, in a basement, you know? Yeah. All right, look, I, 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 there's so many things I want to ask, but most importantly, I want to get paid to do this show. So can we talk about our friends over at Patreon.com? Indeed. Patreon.com slash weird things. Head on over there right now and uh, make sure that you keep this show uh, loud, live, and independent for you weekly. Head on over there right now. Patreon.com slash weird things. Get the after things podcast sooner than anybody else with your private custom RSS feed entered into the podcatcher of your choice. That is patreon.com slash weird things. Yeah. So again, the, the problem with the China thing, like, we don't know. And nobody, we are, we're not even able to get research teams in there and, and they're able to take measures we wouldn't do. And we don't know, there were not a lot of videos of nursing homes and prisons and other stuff when they were going through their outbreak. And they have entire cities, like they would notice an outbreak in a smaller city. 
they just shut it out. They yeah. literally put police on the on the borders there, and maybe they were able to contain it better. I mean, that's they, we uh, just don't uh, know. I very much believe that if America was the kind of country that had the will and the makeup to shut off borders between states early on, we might have done more to contain it. The problem is we don't. We won't, and we can't. So, like, uh, 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 there is, uh, uh, there are tools in the toolbox in an authoritarian, top-down government like China has that we simply don't. Right. And it doesn't matter, you know, who you think is the best party to do it. Nobody really has that. And and even beyond that, we saw pushback on soft versions of that really loud, really fast. Not to not to make this into a Governor Cuomo of New York sucks thing, but when there was initial talk of just shutting off flights from New York to Florida, or Florida didn't want New Yorkers coming down because of the spread, uh, Governor Cuomo freaked out about it and said that that was absolutely not going to stand. He wasn't going to subjugate his citizens to not being able to travel. And that's where we are. And I don't think that that's necessarily a, a political issue. That's an American freedom issue that we we we, we focus on. It's I, it's one of I, those things that <laughs> if you play a lot of Sid Meier's Civilization, it's like, sorry, bro, it's a fact. When you flip over to communism, you get a plus two multiplier to all of your production output. Uh, no, yeah, you, you can't win a cultural victory, but it'll certainly make a lot more things for you to invade other people, whatever. I, yeah, in police states, you don't have as much crime. <laughs> you know, because it's, because everybody's already guilty, too. My, I guess my big rant, and I'm going to say this again, had we been telling people to wear masks when we knew they should have been wearing masks, I think we would have had way lower numbers. That's that's the most inexcusable thing to me. It's one thing to say, let's debate how much to restrict people's freedom. It's another thing to actively lie to people about masks. That's which is what we did. Yeah. I, I, I want somebody the, to prove me wrong. The, no, you know? no, I mean, I mean, uh, if we want to take a quick minute on the, the noble lie and how much we all hate it, uh, uh, just to check, uh, still hate it, still hate it, still hate it, still hate it. Okay. It's yeah. unanimous. We all hate the noble lie. Uh, the, the idea of, of just, uh, mm, mm, well, the people can't be trusted with the truth. Yeah. And, and I think it, I think if we were going to point a thing that, that may have cost the most lives, the one policy decision, I think that was it. And it was, well, we're doing the noble lot. No, you're you're not. You don't have your facts and you're speaking out of your area of expertise. And now we're being told to wear double masks. And yeah. And so, like, so so what's the story on that? I, I hadn't heard about it until like <laughs> yesterday. Well, you know, I mean, the the obviously more things obstructing, you know, things from getting into your mouth or your lungs is better. And so the idea, if you wear a double mask, then, you know, theoretically safer. Uh, I don't, uh, and, and I think even people learning how to wear masks properly is like, you see people with masks that, you know, they're breathing through the sides and you're like, eh, it's better than nothing. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's another, so I just, my once, yeah, the, once the, people the said, yeah, the, the the issue with this specific thing is that there are now variants of the disease, which I've got questions about exactly how we are covering these sorts of things. But uh, uh, the South African variant specifically is far more contagious. Uh, and so therefore, there is now a renewed push 
to a wear proper masks and b if you have not great masks then wear two of them uh and and i think that that has caught on not only for some of our uh citizenry for which is there is no level of safety that is too safe but also because we're all kind of scared and and look when when as we pull up on the year anniversary of this uh and we think we're emerging but how many times have we thought we were emerging before now we have at least hard evidence with 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 the vaccine i think people are uh you know we're 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 getting a little squirrely here getting a little weird yeah. so uh let's talk about stonks uh, yeah man <laughs> uh that that's a that's slightly less uh of a tangled knot to to unpack because i'm i'm still i'm doing my best as somebody who has no uh, no dog in any fight or i would like to think in general i tend to be on the people's side in in general i tend to be uh libertarian and anti-government and anti-structure and anti-authoritarian um but even then this all kind of sounded an awful lot like stock manipulation, but the people thinking it's okay because it's little guys, but the little guys is really Robin Hood who was running a casino and letting people borrow money from Robin Hood and then gamble with the money. And it's Robin Hood that's coming out ahead. I, I, I have no idea what to think about any of this. And I really want to know what you guys know, because because man have i tried to wrap my mind around this this insane hysteria that sounds an awful lot like what led up to uh, the great depression well first things first brian uh, uh allow me to move on my very distinguished mahogany mantle uh, a little room so i can add financial expert to my now growing list next to virology expert and <laughs> governmental expert. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, because uh, uh, we are all now stock experts. I'm, I'm so glad that we could all gather for this quarterly fiduciary uh, meeting uh, where noted stock experts can, can discuss this stuff. Actually, Andrew's probably the most well-versed in, in, in this kind of stuff. So I would, I would, I would let him uh, lead the convo here. I'm hesitant because I do not want to portray myself as an expert because I, and and the thing is about the, th the funny thing about finance too is that it is very complicated and you'll feel like and sometimes I feel stupid like I don't know this and then you'll talk to somebody's investment banker like yeah I didn't know what that meant either I'm like oh okay um, quick background all right so here how about this how about this before before we start let's all make a, a fart noise with our mouth so everybody knows how serious they should take this. All right, so here we go. Three, Docs, two, more like one. All right, so. Uh, all right, there we go. Uh, I, I have made most of my living for, for a good part of my adult life was made through investing. That's, I don't talk about it that much. I may be brought up here a few times. That's mainly been my primary way of supporting myself. Meaning when I make money from one thing was early on the magic book publishing DVDs. When there was surplus, I would put it into stocks. And I was, I was very lucky, very, very, very lucky in what I was able to do and invest in and whatnot. And so that has been most of my life is how I've supported myself. Um, but I'm not a day trader and I'm not a guy that's like, ah, let me get in my computer here and I'm going to time the market. I was just like, huh, 
Pixar seems like a good company. I'll buy that. I'm like, I like Apple. I'll buy Apple. Yeah. Teslas are cool. I'll buy Tesla. Yeah, you know, that's been you're 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 a, you're a fundamentals kind of guy. You're a Warren Buffett. Very, like that makes sense. I understand Graham. it. Seems like it's going to yep. go somewhere. I'm going to buy it forever. Yep, hundred percent. Like Benjamin Graham, intelligent investor. Read that when I was young. I have on my stock app. I will show you companies I've been tracking for years that I'm like, yeah, they're going to go up, but I'm not going to invest in them because I don't understand their fundamentals enough. And I'd be like, I've heard Facebook IPO. My friends that can invest in Facebook. I'm like, nope. I'm like, why? Like, well, I know they're going to make money. I know they're going to increase in value, but part of what they have to do is they have to increase like the daily active user retention and these other things, which to me gets a little bit hanky. And I just like, I don't feel. I don't like that model that really gets that parasitic of people's attention and stuff. And so that was just, you know, I have a, several companies like that, that I've been like, I just, and squeamish. So anyhow. Sure. Oh, well, and, 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 and uh, uh, so, so uh, in our story so far, we have Andrew who understands buy and hold fundamental uh, investments. Uh, this is productive and will be of a benefit to society. I, I think it's fair to say that if SpaceX were publicly traded, we'd all be buying it because we think they're going to get rockets to everywhere and that'll be good. Um, on the flip side, as I understand uh, market dynamics, there is a function to all the negative Nellies. There's a reason uh, and the, on the craps table of the stock market, there's a don't come bar, uh, which, which uh, is never the popular guy, but... He uh, uh, offers a, a negative uh, uh, externality or expectation. Yeah, it's getting to get, it, get it to the point that like one of the things that I learned early on and what helped me was I used to watch I used to watch these shows, CNBC and stuff, but I'd listen to the person who's head of Sun Fund. Sometimes it's a hedge fund which bets a bet against companies. It's one of the ways in which they do it. I'd listen to the person who was running some fund or some investment group get up there and give their spiel. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. All and then one day I had this sort of thing like. Why the F is he out here talking about it unless he's trying to do something to the price of the stock? And I'm like, oh, that's the sole purpose. If he says he's excited about a thing, he wants everybody else to be excited and go buy it. If he thinks the stock company looks bad because he's got a short position, short position, basically you're betting the company's going to fall. You know, you, you know, we, somebody else can, will explain shorts better than I will. But the point is, is you're, you're betting that it's going to fall. He wants it to fall, and he's trying to spread fear, uncertainty, and doubt, which is what a lot of these financial news channels actually do, is everybody there is trying to sell you on something, either the success of something they're invested in or the failure of something they're going to profit from the failure of. And once I looked at it through that lens, I became a much better investor because then I'm like, oh, yeah. people watch this, and they're persuaded. I watched them just dump on Apple for years, and I just kept buying. I watched the same thing happen with like Tesla, and then I watched, you know, I'm like, point is, you get people who go on CNBC who, let's say, if you have a hedge fund and you're going to say, we're going to bet this company's going to fall because maybe the fundamentals of the company aren't that good. You know, GameStop, it's not a sexy company. I would not normally invest in GameStop because uh, I don't with people buy their games online now. There's not a lot of need for a GameStop. And you can see like this company is probably headed for a fall. So you had a hedge fund that took a huge position, placed these bets that its stock price was going to fall substantially. And they talked about it. And there was a thing that was noticed about, and like, yeah, this GameStop looks like it's going to fall. Looks like it's going to fall. And then Wall Street bets, the committee on Reddit, some other people are like, hey, uh, yeah, these people are really have a really big position against GameStop falling. And their opinion is they watch these hedge funds manipulate the market all the time. And with the, with the able help of the media, and they're like, well, what if we just buy a bunch of GameStop stock and keep the price up, which is what they yeah. did. And so, so 
Yeah, please. There, there, there is a video that got sent to me, and uh, uh, I would encourage people to find it. But it was it's it's Jim Cramer back in like two thousand and six, and he's oh, yeah. he's uh, uh, doing something for the street, and he's just like talking about like what you do as a hedge fund guy, and him as a former hedge fund guy, and talking about stock manipulation via the media very specifically. And he's using a famous example, the iPhone. And he's saying, all right, if you're in the negative as a hedge fund, so, so now you're, you're uh, people that have entrusted their money with you. They're looking at your negative for the year. And they're like, what the hell? I'm going to pull all my money out with these guys. They're jokers. Uh, I'll, I'll put it somewhere else or put it somewhere safe. Or you're at like a single digit uh, uh, up you know, up percentage, you got to make sure that you are eking out gains for your clients, no matter how you do it by the end of the year. And so he was talking about the iPhone. If you have Apple, what you do is you push down Apple. How do you do that? Well, and this is word for word, what Jim Cramer is telling this guy, you say, that uh, uh, you, you put in some positions and it's going to take you a couple million dollars to do it that would seem to indicate that you know that bad news is coming for Apple in the next couple weeks. And then you call up uh, uh, people at the Wall Street Journal and you say, yeah, you know, talk to my friends at AT&T and Verizon. They are going to stick with Motorola. They're going to stick with LG. They don't like the phone. Uh, from Apple, it's way too expensive. They're not going to go with it. Uh, you know that will bump the market down. Apple will sell. You'll make money on those transactions. It's literally just the day-to-day -day movements that you're doing, and you're stacking those gains on top. Now, at that point, if Apple actually goes down, then you can also then buy the other side of it, knowing that there's nothing wrong with the iPhone, that the iPhone will definitely get announced at Macworld, that, that you, are, you are just creating a, a, a bunch of, of, <coughs> of noise for no reason. The fact that that's the case means that you are in a position now where information is so diluted, where CNBC doesn't matter as much anymore, but yet still behaves the same kind of way that the Wall Street bets community, and I'm not naive. I think that there is also other hedge funds that realize that there's another side to this are going to now make some of these folks pay. But there's an enemy here, and we're seeing, not unlike in the same way that, Brian, you and I identified that people were frustrated with hearing about Fifty Shades of Grey Right. Uh, and wanted a, a way that they could register their, or they found it funny because this is a ripe target that they could buy, even if they didn't know who the hell we were. They just saw us on Reddit or they saw us on, on Twitter with our little video that they could register their thing. Boom, they can go do it. This is that writ large with a lot more money. And, and the villain is something a lot more palpable than you know, a, 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 a smut author or a book that you feel is kind of over, uh, overhyped. This is resentment about the 2008 crash. This is media manipulation. This is populism. There's a lot that's kind of going in here united by memes of crying anime girls and Terminator, uh, robots. I would, 
And if there was a, a villain, it's not quite a clear, I would say there's bad practice. If there was a villain to it, I would say how little the media tells us how much they're manipulated. That story that, you know, about Jim Cramer, about this, we don't hear those people outed. We don't hear those things outed very much. You know, the ties that financial newspapers have to people giving them at leaks, the role in which they play in feeding into it. Because it's like, hey, here's a mechanism. I can give this person bad info and the stock's going to dip. If a reporter realizes they're lied to, they're not going to write an article. You know, Jim Cramer had called me. The reason this happened was anonymous source who I won't name, but still, this is they're never going to tell you that. And that's part of the problem is that you know, they get duped. You know, and then we're left. Who's left holding the bag? You know, the, the I mean, you know, the quote, the retail investor, which is. You know, I do think, I mean, to me, this is a media story. This is, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the backlash that when, when you when you were on Wall Street Bets and I am, I'm not a regular Wall Street Bets reader. I'm just like every other Jim Moke. As soon as, you know, the, 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 the car started flaming, I rubber neck to see what was going on. But the stuff that I grabbed there was that there a, a lot of the resentment was you don't control the narrative anymore. We're controlling the narrative now. And you're going to be forced to cover us, which gets us into another element of a larger media trend, which is online people do control the narrative. Twitter controls the narrative. Reddit now can control the narrative because media, the the, the venerable gatekeepers of our age, aren't sure enough in their own decisions that they have to look to the public to say, well, what are they I mean, interested in? We live in a world where a company or a few companies were able to unperson a president. <laughs> like, that is unreal to me. Uh, for now. For now. We for now. See. Yeah, we'll we see. Will, we will see. But, but no, no, that's an interesting topic. And I know we're, I mean, this gets us into the political, but like, in terms of just the media element of it, we're going to see how much they can unperson and whether or not the denial of the platforms that he had before just means that we're now all going to have to pay attention to a new platform be it a traditional social media one or something else beyond the pale uh what is golden is this if people care then media the way that we have thought it which used to be them kind of like we used to think of media as sort of like a, a, a bespoke farmer's market. We had all these very smart people that would go out into the totally untamed wilderness and they would find the things that mattered. They would find the things that mattered. Now, behind the scenes, it's a lot like we understand it now. They, they got information from people that they knew, but that was the, that was the idea. Now, they're all just buying rubber bouncy balls because they know that rubber bouncy balls are popular because they see it on these social media sites. They see metrics to it. They, and, and, and that's a powerful change. That is a very powerful change. Also, if there's any question about whether or not former president Donald Trump was a fan of after things, I think it's been resolved because he would know that we would have been Pushing him to email, email, email. Get them email addresses, and you wouldn't have been deplatformed. Well, never too late to start. Yeah, you know. no, I, I, I think, I think he's, uh, I think, I think, I think they're okay, considering the three emails I've gotten since he's been in Mar-a-Lago about all of his 
comings and goings. Yeah. <laughs> his email game is 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 okay. Uh so there's a lot more kind of going on in the story, and it's complex. Last night, Elon Musk was on Clubhouse, which is the other like the two the two big stories of this of so far 2021. I think have been uh, Wall Street Bets, GameStop, and uh, Clubhouse, with is just sort of exploding. I deeply in- regret accepting the invitation to Clubhouse that I got. Um, so far, Clubhouse has been nothing but Clubhouse announcing which of my friends are getting on Clubhouse and asking me to. Uh, talk to them and then uh, that and getting in bed last night a notification came in just at the right wrong moment as I was tapping play on my go to sleep uh, uh, podcast and sudden suddenly I just hear five people go whoa Brian Brushwood is there oh Brian Brushwood and I mumble guys I hit the wrong button I'm going to bed (laughs) and that's now part of the public rep record on Clubhouse so if people don't know Clubhouse. Clubhouse is basically an audio chat room. Yes. It is pretty much the beginning and end of it. It is an audio-focused chat room. And the weird thing for me uh, is that I only see people... I only see uh, people say creators should be on Clubhouse. And I don't see any consumers or users of social media say, I really want to be on Clubhouse. Or it I'm is all like on Clubhouse so that I can see anything right um we we have been approached and we've had people in the chat room ask us if we want a clubhouse but it's like as i wouldn't use it i definitely wouldn't use it personally (laughs) and i don't i don't see anyone else asking for this we have discord we have voice chats there's twitter there's guys got People with these microphones in front of themselves who get a broadcast <laughs> to people on a daily basis are going, eh, Clubhouse, what's the, what do you sure. need, what do you get out of okay, this? Okay, sure, no, sure. Bryce, 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 never make that mistake. Never make the, but we got a thing mistake. Oh, that okay, is, but. That, mm-hmm. that, that, that has always been defeated. There's always uh, like, but it's just blank. But yes, it might still uh-huh. fail. It might still fail. It might have a moment and then die because the only thing that's happening on Clubhouse is a bunch of people on Clubhouse talking about how much they like Clubhouse and, and it doesn't quite find the same utility. But the one thing that will always fail is, but we already got a thing. That, that's if, fine. If that's fine. That's not my big point. That's not fine. my big point. My big yeah. point is I'm not seeing anyone say, I want to be using Clubhouse. I keep seeing people say, you should be a creator on Clubhouse. And turns out today, you know, they can't said. Clubhouse will be like a Patreon thing. Won't that be fun? So for our listeners who don't know Clubhouse, like it, imagine kind of being able to like do live streaming, but audio. And you can bring people into a room. We have a room. A bunch of people can go in there and join you. You can do moderate. It's like video, like video sort of hangouts or whatever, but just audio only. And I'm a big believer that sometimes the way to create a great product is to remove the extra stuff. And I don't live stream a lot because I don't want to have to comb my hair or whatever. But if I'm like, oh, I could just hop into here and start a room and start a conversation with a bunch of people. There have been a lot of forms of this in the past. I think this may catch on. I did, w- listened to the Elon Musk one last night. It was great. You know, he brought in Vlad. What's his face for Robin Hood to come in and explain himself, you know, in the middle of, you know, is this very, you know, meta sort of thing. And so I thought that was cool. And I've done a couple clubhouse conversations with people. It's fun. It's a different thing, you know. And I think you know some people in a chat room really like it. I think for us who have who can just flip a switch and have an audience, it's like, well, why do I need to buy Fly Coach? I got another well, jet. Like, 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 for for me, it's in that mushy middle where it's like 
there is a a sanitization of what I think and say and how I present myself when I know I'm being broadcast, when I know I'm mm-hmm. in public, when I publish a tweet, that kind of thing. Yeah. There is similarly a level of intimacy and directness that I afford people who I'm on a phone call with uh, because I know it would be majorly messed up if they're going to secretly record this phone call and then and, and send it out. Part of the reason I don't do a lot of audio on Discord or or Clubhouse outside of by accident as I'm getting into bed is because it's in that mushy middle where it's like I don't know which of my heuristics to engage on that. Well, I think part of it is it's supposed to be a soft performance of an intimate space. So it's like the, the, the Elon Musk Robin hood guy is a great example because what we really want is a private conversation between those two guys. Or what we really want is Elon Musk's thoughts when he's talking to him. And we want, we're curious to know, are they best friends? Are they acquaintances? Is Elon Musk really pissed at him? Like, there's all these kind of inherent questions that are almost subservient to, but also we want to be in the room. We want to be there. That's super cool. And Clubhouse makes and sells that. Uh, so the, 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 the less thought would be, okay, well, how do I look at this as a performance space as I would social media and more, oh, I wonder who we could get into a private clubhouse that would be a really cool conversation. If it was just, you know, uh, uh, you know, night attack and ice cream social having a conversation. And instead of us thinking of it as a podcast that we put out, we, we think of it more as like just a way that our audience could have a behind could, could be there for a behind the scenes sort of conversation. That's like, that's the, 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 Thing they're selling yeah, just the, like the what's the difference okay and i see the chat we're having some of the conversation what's between this and discord full confession i do zero on discord i first popped in there i'm like i gotta follow a channel i gotta do this i'm like eh, i don't care too complicated for me to think about this right now boom done i get clubhouse my friend invites me hey we're having a chat oh cool the thing that drove brian nuts was an easy feature for me because i'm like oh click i'm in there i didn't have to think it was easy it was super super easy and we may once you navigate a layer of complexity, it becomes invisible to you, but it is still a barrier for other people. Yeah, it, it, um, I, Discord's I, hard. Discord's hard. Sure. Discord oh, yeah. is for super fans. Uh, and, and, but that's great because it's a great place for super fans to get exactly what they want and they can micro thread it and the communities can build exactly where they want to build. And there is a little bit of an art for, for, for the moderation to, to pair those options you know down to the exact right thing but it's not instant and, and, and i'll tell you what's slack selena selena Ilink brought up a great point in here too because like i hopped on a conversation with a couple people i knew and then a friend of theirs hopped in and she started talking she's interesting and then somebody else came in and i'm like oh we're having an interesting conversation oh you're cool click follow now i can go have a conversation with that other person and it's so easy it's so easy to network and to quickly find a group of people it's I don't I don't spend time on it because it's addictive and Brian I have the same fear about you because like I pop I started talking I noticed somebody else popped in there and like oh BuzzFeed reporter um, yeah <laughs> so right therefore, I mean I have nothing more to say yeah uh, but that's but going forward though like I have a girlfriend that's on video camera all the time and I don't know when it's safe to hop out of the shower I've learned to navigate that I've learned to navigate that space because there's a tremendous value there. 
Yeah. You want to do picks? Yeah. You want to switch this entire podcast to Clubhouse? <laughs> Sorry, I, I I didn't mean to be on weird things. I was just going to bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whoopsie doodle. <laughs> uh, hey, I got a pick. Yep, what's your pick? All the stonks talk. I had a hole in my uh, uh, viewership, and that is the 2015 adaptation of the Michael Lewis tome, The Big Short. I watched it over the weekend for the first time. I watched it over the weekend for the first time. I'm so excited to get the only review I want, and I will now yield the floor to Brian because uh, regardless of the performances and the script, there is one thing that is for sure, which I think if you were to judge a movie solely by the metric of metaphors per minute. Uh, uh, the Big Short might be the greatest movie of all time. The person who loves tortured, ridiculous metaphors the most is Brian Brushwood. So I'm curious to me watching it. I'm like, Brian either loves this movie or despises it. There's no zero ground. Um, <clears throat> uh, hi, it's me, Metaphor King Brian Brushwood. <laughs> what did I think of The Big Short? Imagine me on top of a hill, untangling a Gordian knot. It was tedious. That's it for my movie minute review. It's me, Metaphor King Brian Brushwood. Um, it deserves a lot of credit for being watchable because I don't think anybody who read that book, which I did, would say, oh, here's a bunch of telegetic, you know, uh, uh, kind of things. And basically what they wrap the movie around is our heroes for various reasons are betting against the economy, but we want them to win. But that means that the economy's in shambles. They can't save the economy. They're just going to profit off of it. But we're happy they're right because they are all moral and exposing. Right. And we corruption. know we know that that at least one of them is a good guy because he feels real bad when he says, yes, <laughs> accept all the money I made. Press yeah. Excel. <laughs> I'm scared, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he allows his he he doesn't actually press the cell button. He puts a shot glass on it and just cries until it fills up with enough weight, <laughs> like like the the dippy bird, and then yeah, presses exactly. the button. <laughs> How you're, Mike, I'll give you my take because everybody's asking for it. I know when people are asking, like, Andrew, when are you going to tell us what you think of the big short? Um, yeah. Uh, and I got a newsletter about what I think about the big short. And like Adam McKay is the director. I think it's a really capable director. I think it's really good. I think the performances in it are really good. And I think they did yeah. a damn good job of taking a complex job and making, explaining it. But capital B U T is. Whenever that narrative is told, whoever is telling you this will choose who the heroes and villains are, depending upon where they are politically and philosophically. And Adam McKay is very much that way. And when you watch this, you're like, well, here's the bad guys. I'm like, well, I think perhaps, yes. Do we want to get into like how this whole system was created and the politicians and name names and stuff of people who passed this legislation and warned not to do this and what would happen? And, you know, no, we don't, because some of those people I like and I don't want to hold them accountable. 
So we're not going to get into that part. Of it. I mean, like, I, I, I watch I, a doc. That 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 didn't bother me either with this or with Vice. Like I, I, don't I enjoyed think you know Vice. The names, though, Brian, I don't think you're going. Why aren't you going to go after so and so? I don't think you're personally invested. Like I am Correct. going. Like there's a big part. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and and that is fair. That is fair. Like uh, I I love hearing crazy people I disagree with, and I love listening to them with all of my attention. And so in that case, I'm, I'm not overly bothered with whether they get things right or wrong. I, I and I, but I mean, I like the performances. I love, I like the movie yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah. I just say my, yeah, my caveat, just like, yeah, if you maybe spent a six minute, let's put Margot Robbie in a bathtub again and have her explain this part of it. I would think you were being completely fair and helping people understand the real roots of it. But boy, talk about lampshading the problem with your story. <laughs> It's like, this crap is so boring. We're going to call out the fact that we're going to put a naked lady in a bathtub to explain it to you. <laughs> well, totally and, cool and then, totally cool. and then do it twice more. <laughs> right? Like, and that was, that was the moment like, I was like, oh, so it's not just like, oh, we're going to keep going back to Margot Robbie whenever anything's too crazy. It's, you know, it has the late uh, uh, Anthony Bourdain and then selena gomez and some dude um who who also explained stuff but uh uh yeah it's go having read the book i was curious how the movie would 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 uh uh turn out it it befuddled me so much that i never saw it until uh this weekend um it it, it deserves a lot of credit for how compelling the performances are and how well it's edited together that it doesn't just sort of like totally fall apart because it, it is, it, it's not only a complex story. It's also one of those things where they, they've, they've got to really put these like harsh signposts there to before you start realizing that the people you're watching are ghouls, right? <laughs> Like the like like uh, Brad Pitt has to snap on his young wards uh, for dancing because oh the thing that they're doing is rooting for the economy to totally crater and for and for people to lose their their shirts but it's never really a moment where we feel morally ambiguous about the people we're following we want them all to win including somebody from Morgan Stanley in in uh, uh, Ryan Gosling so it's like. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Tedious. I, I liked, I liked the performances like Christian Bale. Great. Like he was great performance. Was, yeah. Yeah. Although but again, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, that Christian Bale performance, that's a great short film. <laughs> that is, that is I, man you could do a great 12 minutes and tell his entire story and it would crush it i sometimes i feel about these things too like there'll be stuff like i'll like things i don't necessarily agree with. again i'm i was against the stock market the housing bubble crash let me make that very clear um <laughs> uh i remember once i was talking to like some skeptics group and a lot of people there were like you know non-believers like myself and then in a conversation people are like kind of like ripping on mel gibson's the passion and you know like oh that really oh the passion like that's ripping it and i'm like yeah, i mean it's a brutal kind of movie it's, mel gibson's an amazing talented filmmaker and then a while later the conversation shifts to like the whale writer and how great the whale writer is because you know and i'm like and i like the whale writer too but they're both movies about religion 
and that was like the thing they were like oh this this really i can't stand religious movies but this one i'm okay with and none of them believed in like you know the 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 whale rider mythology but it was just this sort of thing of like they weren't aware it wasn't a thing they were against if you follow sure 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 they 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 perceived as an aesthetic appreciation uh but really it was like um a a discomfort of getting something close to something like like uh, you know something that they didn't want to like or whatever yeah, and that was the thing. I said, I and I made me, I made such like I'm, I'm gonna always separate like my views, my religious beliefs, my philosophical beliefs from when I consume art. I just want to, I if I, I can enjoy it on its own merits, then I'm fine with it, and it doesn't have to conform to my belief for me to go like, well, this is how I know the world works. So this is wrong. Reject it. I'll be like, man, this is wonderfully told. I don't agree at the point, but man, it's wonderfully told. And that was sort of going forward. Um, uh, but but the Passion of Christ is a pretty brutal movie to have to watch. Yo, I got a pick for yeah. you guys. Go. Uh, go to your YouTubes right now. Type in the words Emergent Beacon and then click subscribe and thank me later. Uh, oh, yeah. Frank Hughes new, has new finally stuff. launched uh, his, his uh, uh, independent channel. And uh, uh, Brant, you've seen on Modern Rogue. He oftentimes does wonderful fact checking on us. He does these minute long science minutes on uh, Modern Rogue. And if you've ever wondered what happens if Brant just goes as Brant as he could possibly Brant for 30 minutes straight, uh, then then you get Emergent Beacon, which is a real treat. Hold on. It's it's science, uh, you know, explaining. He's, in this one, he's talking about the Einstein's cross, and he has a lot of really interesting, like this wine glass demonstration that he uses to actually physically model uh, an Einstein's cross is really fascinating. Yeah, so and he goes Einstein into a lot cross, of depth. Uh, for example, is a, a galaxy that is inconveniently in between us and a quasar. And so the quasar looks like four different copies of the quasar. And we know it's the same quasar because they all have the same spectrographic f- uh, fingerprint. And then like something crazy happens in one of them and we wait one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. And then we see the same thing happen in the other copy and the other copy and the other copy. And uh, uh, like that wine glass demonstration is uh, so effective and making you kind of process how, how, how bendy space time is. Well, I don't think he's going to get the Dollar Shave Club sponsorship. What? Why is that? Because he's got a beard. Oh, got it. Okay. (laughs) No, this looks great. This is so good. This looks really, really great. Um, yeah, uh, oh, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so pumped to see Brant do it. Uh, I love the video. Everybody go, uh, uh, give it as much love and support. Emergent Beacon or Beacons? Beacon. 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 Emergent, Emergent Beacon. Beacon. Go get it, baby. Brant is such Holy a cow, fan. he's already 2,000 subscribers. That's amazing. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, uh, that'll be my pick too. There you go. Ah, two point one two. It's it's a, it's a, a diamond hands. Uh, never unsubscribe. Hold on forever, and it'll fix the world. <laughs> Andrew, do you have a pick? Uh, my pick is I. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna double down again. Like Wandavision continues to delight. Ooh, continues it was it was a delight. good one this week. It's a good one every week, Brian. It's every week. Uh, this one zagged harder than I was prepared for, and it really delighted me. I liked it a lot. I would, 
Mr. Let's go back like the first episode, man. If it's just a slow burn like this, I'm all on board with this. Two episodes in, like, ah, I don't feel enough happened. Oh, was the burn too slow for you, Brian? Uh, no, but again, it's like, uh, look, that's the way rubber bands work is you pull them very tight for three episodes and then you let go and they snap very hard and it feels very exciting. Uh, I'll tell you what, Marvel realizing that they have the deep bench that they have and flexing on it, like, and just being like, you know, somebody I'd never watch agents of shield, but there were, I saw some folks in my timeline over the weekend that were like, hey, did you like a bunch of Marvel people talking about some Marvel stuff? Then you'll love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's like, mm, will I? Will I? Because you want to know what I really liked was Kat Dennings and uh, the guy whose name I don't remember, but is awesome and everything I see him uh, being amazing together and be unraveling this plot with actual people from the movies in the thing. Uh, I, I really, really like that. I like those characters. I like them. Uh, uh, I like how they're, they're, they're unraveling it. I, I, I like that. And I think if you don't understand the difference between episode three of WandaVision and uh, a show that was largely devoid, that was going off on their own adventures, uh, then, then we're missing kind of what makes these MCU shows as special as they can be. It's like three episodes in, holy crap. Th this is bigger than Mandalorian for, for, for me in terms of uh, the possibility of where they can take this. Like yeah. if it's this integrated into the MCU, holy crap. Like this is, this is next level. I, I get why they held it off for as long as they had, as long as the, 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 the subs were rising, they're like, no, we're just going to save this nitro booster until we absolutely have to. Cause we know we're sitting on the nuts. Yeah. Uh, agents of shield sucked. <laughs> I, just like, I just, I'd be like, Oh, you should watch it. It's, it's like, I'm like, it's just, it's not good writing. It's just not good. It's like process. I'm sure the writers worked on are talented, but what they had to do to make the studio happen or whatever they wanted, it was just like, and I'd be like, oh, it's gotten better. And you watch an episode and it's like, they just like killed two security guards to get into a facility. You're like, like these guys have jobs and families and stuff. Like, oh, you're overthinking it. It's like, uh, there's uh, nothing to think about. Nero Vinny on the chat is asking to binge or not to binge. Normally I'm always on team binge, but, but WandaVision, like I'm enjoying the steeping that we're doing. I'm enjoying the slow burn. Even when it, you know, like, I would say, I would say, jump in, join us. We're all going to steep together because I mean, we're this, all this shocked was, and surprised at where it's this, going. This was also, I mean, a a meta episode of a bunch of characters all discussing the same things that we're discussing. It, it, like we're now, like, we're now watching them try to think of all the things that we're thinking of because they're basically TV by the you know uh, TV it, television without pity recappers of this hostage situation that's I mean, happening. Uh, I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's definitely multiple scenes where over their shoulders <laughs> is a whiteboard writing down the exact questions the home viewer has at this yes. point during the story. It, it's it's remarkable. 
I'm surprised you like. I I, I I think this is a good. I think it's a good episode. And in a mystery, you need to have a point where you say all of the questions out loud, and you make them make the connections. What is the happening? Things. Where is it happening? Or like the the the, the a quiet place. Remember? Yeah. Okay. What? What sound attracts them on the big whiteboard? Like okay. But I I it was a cool change of format. <laughs> there is a. One of the things I liked about when they're like, I think it was Taika Waititi said like they did with like Thor Ragnarok was like in Big Trouble in Little China, uh, Kurt Russell's character is always going, what's going on? Who's that? What's this? What's that? <laughs> and they use that kind of like as an idea to be like, what's this? What's that? You know, and like think sometimes it's over the top. Sometimes you got to do it. And so, you know, <laughs> here. Uh, yeah. What a delight. What a delight. And I, I'm like, I'm sure Falcon and Winter Soldier looks cool, but I'm like, it's going to be cool. But I'm like, saying to my girlfriend, like, like, yeah, like that feels like we're going to try to put a movie into six or eight episodes. Like here, I'm like, we're just going to do like a really cool comic book run, which yeah. I love that thinking. Uh, cool. Totally. I'm, I'm all about it. We all good. Anything else? Yeah. Oh, that's it. Um, yeah. Uh, that was Deciding whether I wanted to do just a drive-by criticism of the last episode expands. I will. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been weird. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.